Parashas Nyaso contains the priestly blessings. Hashem tells Moshe, speak to Aaron and his children, saying, This is how you shall bless the Jewish people. Those are the three, three psukim of the priestly blessings. That the Kohanim shall bless the people, they shall place God's name on the children of Israel, and Hashem himself will bless them. This is, of course, a mitzvah to the Kohanim to bless the Jewish people. Some say there's a mitzvah on the Jewish people to receive the blessing as well, but primarily the, the simple reading of the text is that this is a mitzvah on the Kohanim to bless the Jewish people. Notably, there is nothing in this pasuk about Yom Tov or special occasions or Musa or anything of the sort. This seems to be just a simple commandment on Kohanim to bless the Jewish people. The Gemara goes so far as to say, Amr Bishu ben Levi in the Kol Kohen any Kohen who does not ascend to the platform to recite the blessings, over Bishloshaseh, they're actually, it's, thr- it's thrice repeated, the, the mitzvah to bless the people. Kosevarachu, Emar Lohem, Besamueth Shmi, all those three are imperative phrases. Bless them, say to them, place my name upon them, Hashem says. There are, there are no fewer than three mitzvah assays. Three assays a person, a Kohen violates by declining to do Berchas Kohanim. The obvious question then is, why do we not do this? Why in Ashkenaz, in Chutzlaretz, why do we do Berchas Kohanim, Duchening in the Yiddish jargon, why do we do Nesiyas Kamayim, Berchas Kohanim, only on Yom Tovim, only on Musaf of Yom Tovim? Sfardim do it daily, and they do it Chakras as well. But Ashkenazim, and, and Ashkenazim in Eretz Yisrael also, do like the Svardim, and they do Mithyas Kapayim daily, again, Shachras and Musaf. Why do Ashkenazim in Chutzlaretz only do it on Yom Tov? This is a great mystery. This is something which Ashkenazic Postkim, Svardic Postkim have grappled with for more than 500 years. Numerous theories have been advanced. None of them are very compelling. The fact that there are so many itself uh, indicates that none of them are so compelling. And indeed, there were several efforts by, over the years by various Gedolei Torah to reinstate Tuchening daily. None succeeded. The Minigan Ashkenaz, of course, is still that we do not. So we're going to explore tonight exactly how this came up. Well, not exactly how it came about. Nobody really knows. But we're going to explore some of the reactions of the post over the years to this very perplexing custom of not doing the C.S. Kapayim daily. We'll see how they justified it, what their attitude toward, toward it was. And besides this being an interesting question in and of itself, why don't we do Nesiyas Kapayim? It's a very nice mitzvah. It's relatively easy to do. It gives you a bracha from Hashem. Who doesn't want a bracha from Hashem? It sounds like it's a low-cost, high reward. It sounds like it would have been a very easy mitzvah to do, a very charming mitzvah. It's, it doesn't, uh, doesn't seem to have any real downside. And so, so it's a very interesting question why we don't do it. And as we'll see, though, even more broadly, this is a classic case study in the question of to what extent halacha follows the books. Chaim Salvechik talked about rupture and reconstruction. To what extent do we follow the mimetic tradition as opposed to the, the written text? This is just one of the most famous examples of common practice, which is somehow, somehow developed and took on a life of its own and very hard to reconcile with, uh, with, with the halacha in its written form. That's sometimes how halacha works. Uh, we, we just get customs which we don't fully understand, but once, certainly once they become venerable and ancient enough, it is difficult to reverse them, even if we don't have a, an entirely satisfactory uh, theoretical justification for them. So, the earliest sources we have of the, how far back does this custom go? How far back does the Ashkenazic custom of not doing the C.S. Kapayim daily go? The very earliest sources we have actually go back around 700 years. The Maram of Rottenberg, Rameyer of Rottenberg, the great German posek teacher of the Rush. So one of his students 
in a, in a, in a sefer called Sefer Tashbats, which was a collection of rulings and uh, teachings that he had heard from his uh, from, that, he, that he had heard from his great Rebbe, the Remeir of Rattenberg. He, he mentioned in passing that Birchas Kohanim and Bimehen in earlier generations they used to do Nesias Kapayim daily. Earlier generations, the time of the Talmud, perhaps the Mishnah, the Bible, they used to do Nesias Kapayim daily. We don't do that. What we do, what the what the Shlech Tzibur says, and he says Birchas Kohanim and Chazar Sashatz of of Shachris Musaf, that is in in place of Birchas Kohanim, in place of the actual Birchas Kohanim, which was supposed to be said by a Kohen, which they used to do. So this is, as far as I know, pretty much the the earliest source we have that uh, in Ashkenaz and the, the Maram of Rattenberg is. Mr. Ashkenaz, the, one, of the, one of the primary uh, pillars of Minag Ashkenaz, he tells us that in Ashkenaz, and his, he doesn't explain it, he doesn't explain how it changed, when it changed, why it changed, but he notes in passing, and uh, his point is, uh, he's he trying to explain why we don't say, but some with Shemir al-Bnei Yisrael, we don't recite the last Pasuk, because even we're not really doing Berchus Kohanim, we just do it in, in place of Berchus Kohanim, I'm not sure I fully understand what he's saying. I'll call upon him, he mentions in passing, that the Minog already in his time, he just takes for granted the Minog in his time was that the Kohanim did not do actual Berchas Kohanim daily. We just, uh, we just have the Shlech Tzibur say it instead. So that's, as far as I know, that's the, that's the earliest source I know. There may be earlier ones, but that's one of the very earliest sources we have that, that testifies that in Ashkenaz they did not do Berchas Kohanim daily, but there is no hint of any explanation as to why that should be. In the Sefer Kolbo, Collection of halachas and hagim, also from from uh, medieval Ashkenaz. He writes, The custom today is we do not do nesias kapayim daily; rather, This is similar to our custom, but actually very different. Not daily, but on Shabbos and Yom Tov they did it. We, of course, only do it on Yom Tov for Shabbos that falls out on Yom Tov, but we do not do it on an ordinary Shabbos. In the Kolbos version of Minag Ashkenaz. They didn't do it daily, but they did do it on ordinary Shabbatos as well as Yom Tov. Why didn't they do it daily? So the Kolbo gives a fascinating reason. He says, It would have been too much of an imposition on the Tibur, and therefore, this is what Chazal called, we find in various places in Chazal, Chazal said that there is a concern for Tircha de Tzibura, the, the, the convenience and comfort of the Tzibur is an important value. That's why we don't roll a Sefer Torah. We don't roll a Sefer Torah while the Tzibur is waiting. We prepare it in advance because it would be considered Tircha de Tzibura to stop and uh, roll the Sefer Torah. I've always been fascinated by the calculus of Tircha de Tzibura, what things we worry about and what things we don't. We say long mishaberachs for cholim, for... Everything has a reason. Cholim, people are, people are dying. People are gravely ill. We say we should bear rocks for people who donate money to the shul. I mean, I'm not the one raising money for the shul. The shul needs money. I mean, who am I to say that they shouldn't have me should bear rocks if, if the shul can get money for that uh, kavod? Uh, everyone has something in shul that he thinks uh, could be cut out and with Tzibura. Some people think the singing is Tzibura. Tzibura. Some people think the speeches are Tzibura. Tzibura. Some people think uh, slow davening is Tzibura. Tzibura. Some people might think that Tzvila Shlom HaMadina is Tzibura. Tzibura. Everyone has something that they would probably cut out of davening because of Tzibura. Tzibura. The question is, so the Kolbo says, they cut out Berchus Kohanim. You think that's one of the strangest things to cut out? It's a mitzvah deraisa. It's three mitzvahs deraisa. The Gemara says it takes about uh, thirty seconds. You know, you, you don't have to sing and quite, you don't have to do it quite as leisurely as you do it on Yontif. You can you go to a Sfardic minion during the week. It does not have to be such a long process. You think if they want to cut something out, you know, maybe cut out the shir shalyom. I don't know. Maybe cut out. Uh, there's a lot of things you can cut out. And uh, sorry, tachnun. Some people cut out on a regular basis. Anyway. Yeah, so, it's a, so it, it's a very strange reason. It's, it's very hard to understand why they would have jettisoned Birchas Kohanim because of Terechad Tzibura. That's what he says. It was Terechad Tzibur. They just chopped off Birchas Kohanim. I, I, I used to remark similarly. In, in the, the Gemara says that we blow Tchios to Mu'umad and Tchios to Meyushav. We blow Shofar after Kriyasa Torah. That's called Tchios to Meyushav. Make the bracha and blow, blow a 30 kolos. And then we blow again during Shemar Nasrei, during Chazar Sashatz, in some communities during the Tfilas Lachash as well. Here, here in Shul they blow during Lachash. That's interesting. 
thought that was mostly mostly Nesukhsvarn, I thought, but I guess uh, some shuls do it. All right, this history here, but uh, some shuls do it during Lachash as well. But either way, that's called Kiyos Demu'umad, because Shvernestri is when you have to stand. Armenig is we stand for both of them, but the Kiyos Demu'umad are the ones after laning before Shvernestri. It's Kiyos Demu'umad are the ones during Shvernestri. How many shofar blows do you blow for each of those two sets? So you blow 30 for the first set. The Gemara explains how you get to 30, but we blow 30. Three tashrats, three tashrats, three, tash, three tarats for the demiyushav. For the mu'umad, the, the general custom today is we blow 30 as well. Some people blow more than 30 if they blow during, during the lachash and the, and the chazar's shats. We blow at least 30 for the tkiyos de, de mu'umad. There was a minhag, though, again, a medieval Ashkenaz in the time of the balaitosis, to only blow... To only blow ten kolos in the, in, during the tkios de muuma. To only blow one tashrat, that's four. One tashrat, that's three. One tarat. Uh, we blow three of each. We get thirty. Uh, three times four plus, plus plus three times three plus three times three is thirty. But there was a minute they only blew one of each. So the, the balitosa struggled to explain why they would do that. So why don't you blow a full set of thirty like we blow for the miyushav? Because we want to have you know, three types of shvarims and three copies of each one and three tkiyos before and after each one. So why don't we blow 30 for the Mu'umad as well? So the Rishonim struggled to explain it, but one of the points they made was that too much shofar. It's a long davening. We cut out the shofar. We want to, we want to go as fast as we can. They just cut down the shofar. Again, you'd think the same thing. Rosh Hashanah. You, know, you couldn't find something else to cut out. Cut out maybe one of the piyutim to save an extra five minutes. If you want to cut things out, chauffeur. You know, everyone likes the chauffeur. The chauffeur is one of the most uh, yeah. evocative and uh, interesting parts of davening. You think you want to? That's deraisa. That's deraisa, right? The second time it's drabanan. Maybe you don't have to blow thirty and thirty, but still, it's, it's, it is a mitzvah deraisa, right? You think you want to cut something out? Do you really want to chop off the mitzvah deraisa like Berachas Kahanim? And apparently, Tirchon Tibur is a very powerful svara. Tirchon Tibur could even say to cut out things that are deraisa. Again, why this and not that? Is this really the best choice if you want to uh, if you want to uh, make the tefillah a little a little tighter and more efficient? Is this is this really the most bang for the buck that you can get to cut things out? I don't really understand why, but that's what the Kalbo says that they, the reason they didn't do Nesias Kabbayim daily was because of Tirchon Tibur. You mean today we do? Right, right. right. So Dr. Makovas is pointing out, even though some Rishonim explained the, the interesting custom in their time to not blow 30 because we don't do that anymore. We went back and we do blow 30. Today it's pretty much universal as far as I know. The minimum for hundreds of years already has been that we blow a full 30. Despite the fact that uh, there was a concern, but Brechus Kalanim stayed. Well, as we'll see, some tried to change the minog, but Brechus Kalanim stayed. That the minog still is widespread in Ashkenaz and Chutzlarts, that we still do not do it. Beis Yosef has an interesting discussion of this question as well. The Beis Yosef begins by discussing some other minhagim about not doing duchening in certain contexts. He brings a Mordechai that an avel, an avel who's within twelve months of avelos for his father or mother, doesn't do nesias kapayim. And he should leave before the Kohen uh, begins to announce Duchening and calls the Kohen up to the Bima. He should leave the shul. Says the base. He's a Kohen. If the Ovel is a Kohen, right. If the Ovel is a Kohen, he would not Duchen and he would leave the shul before, uh, before Duchen, before, they, before they, they call Kohen. Says the base. Yosef, I don't really understand this. What kind of minig is this? I, I, why just Ovel Chayv and Mitzvahs also? I mean, he does every other Mitzvah. Why shouldn't he do this? Even Tok Zayin Me'avelos, not just during Yud Beis Chodesh, even Tok Zayin during the first seven days. I still think he should Duchen. Ovel Chayv and Kalong in all Mitzvahs. He's, he's, uh, he, doesn't, he doesn't learn Torah, but Ovel Chayv uh, in, all, in all Mitzvahs. Then he brings the Shibali Aleket. Shibali Aleket says that also he brings this Minhag B'Shem, the Rebar Yehuda. Why, don't, why doesn't an Avel do Nesias Kapayim? Because anyone who's Omed Levarech, anyone who is going to give a bracha, Roy Lo Shari Besimcha. He has to be in a state of joy. An Avel, of course, is not in a state of joy, and therefore an Avel uh, should not, uh, therefore an Avel cannot do Nesias Kapayim. Uh, a little bit later, the Beis Yosef brings the. That, that he brings this minug, that a uh, similar minug, that a Kohen who is single, who's not yet married, doesn't do Nesias Kapayim. Why? Same reason. Shari Bloisha, Shari Blo Simcha. Someone who's not married, the Gemara tells us, is lacking Simcha. He doesn't have a proper Simcha. And the Mavarech has to have Simcha. How do we know that someone who gives a bracha has to be Simcha? Why can't you be uh, in a bad mood and still give a bracha? Because we find by Yitzchak, he said, he asked Esav he asked to bring him food. 
And then it says, bring me matam and bring me tasty food. And then, uh, and then the, the understanding of these Rishonim is that that made him in a state of joy. Some Rishonim say that was the idea of Elisha. Elisha was once upset, upset at the, I think it was the Rishus of the Melech Yisrael. So he, when he wanted to experience Navu, he said, Kahuli Minagin, bring me a musician to uh, bring me back into a state of joy. The Ralbag, as I recall, does not like this chat about Yitzchak at all. He says, it can't be that Yitzchak was asking for Matamim because he wanted to be in a state of Simcha, he says. If a Navi wants to experience Simcha, it's going to be something a little more ruchani, a little more spiritual music. It speaks to the, the higher faculties of a person. He says, food, a Navi, should, his, a, Navi, a Navi experiences joy because of food. Someone on such a high madrega is, uh, he has to eat food to be happy, he says, maybe me and you, maybe, maybe, but the Navi... Okay, I mean, we find that there is such a thing as ain't simcha of basar that the Torah recognizes that as human beings we experience simcha via physical pleasures. Okay, but the, the Ralbag doesn't like this, but this is what these Rishonim say, that Yitzchak had to have food, tasty food, delicacies, so he could be in a state of simcha to, to do bracha, to do bracha. Mordecai is focusing on, these Rishonim are focusing on the bracha, not the nevu involved. And good, so so so, so Nesiyas Kapayim as well. That's why uh, someone who's single doesn't do Nesiyas Kapayim because he lacks a certain simcha, that's why an Avil doesn't do Nesiyaz Kapayim, according to these we've shown him, because he lacks simcha. Says the Beis Yosef, this is not Aramanag, Baratzos Halalu, and the Sephardic lands, and the Arabic lands, we don't have these customs. We, 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 we do Nesiyaz Kapayim all the time. Maybe, he says, you can, you can be Semech on this reason, maybe not for the Yud Beis Chodesh, not for Yud Beis Chodesh, at least during the Zion Yavelos, he says, then uh, you can understand someone wants to follow this minog and not duchen, but if there are other kohanim, then there's uh, going to be a mitzvah of duchening, then he has to leave the basic nesses, so he shouldn't be over begimelah. Say, good. Um, then he goes on, right, he brings the, the, this other thing about the, the single kohen. Then he says, then he brings that, the Rashba, the Rashba was asked about this question, whether a single kohen, a kohen who's still single, is allowed to he should do Nesiyas Kapayim, and he brings this reason that he doesn't have, uh, that he doesn't do it. He says, the Rashba, I never heard of this. Lo shamativ l'echem rebetsenu me'olam. I never heard such a thing from any of my teachers. Lo reisi l'echem mechabresom. I never saw this written in any sefer, he says. Maybe it's a midrash, he says, in Agada somewhere. L'figmar asenu. There's no such thing. According to the Babylonian Talmud, there's no such thing. Eino nirakein lo husker zeb b'shum makam, says the Rashba. There is no halachic basis for such a thing. Interesting idea. Maybe you found it in a midrash somewhere, he says, but there's no such thing in the Talmud. Says the Beis Yosef, and it's indeed very difficult to understand how we can exempt somebody from a mitzvah daraisa gimel asay, three mitzvahs asays, where there's no source in the Gemara. All right, you have important Rishonim, Mordechai, Shbalayeleket, B'shem Riba Yehuda, and the Rashba didn't disagree. He just said he didn't know of a source. You want to be so if someone wants to follow the sheet of the Riba Yehuda, and not to do nisias kapayim in these cases, as long as he's not going to be in the shul, you can do that. But uh, but. Um, Okay, maybe, he says. It's not, it's not the Pashtus, it's the Pashtus as you follow the Talmud, where there's no basis for this. Okay, maybe there's some Akarfer. Then he brings, after he discussed these two other, area, other issues of Simcha, the question of Avel Toch Yud Beis Chodesh, or seven days, and Ponui, someone who's not married, now he finally turns to the, to the question of Nathias Kapayim every day. The Agur brings, B'Shem the Maril, why don't Kalanim Duchen daily? Mitzvah say, the Maril said, because the minog was Kohanim used to go to the mikvah, as we find in earlier German Rishonim, they used to be tovil before doing the Siyas Kapayim. In the winter, it's freezing, they didn't have heated mikvahs, so it was very difficult for them to go to the mikvah daily, and therefore the minog was that, uh, that they only did it on Yom Tov. Also because of Bittl Malacha, we'll discuss that in a little more detail soon, they had to go to work. Anyway, if they don't call Kohanim, he's not over us. We just don't call Kohanim. So they're not really over the mitzvahs. Even if we're forfeiting a bracha from Hashem and we're forfeiting bracha, we're forfeiting a mitzvah, we're not actually violating the mitzvah because of these reasons that it's difficult to go to the mikvah and because of bitl malacha, because it interferes with work. That's why they didn't do Nesiyas Kapayim. Says the Beis Yosef, he's very skeptical again. The Maril is clearly bending over backwards to rationalize the local custom. It's not a good reason, he says. It doesn't really hold water. What do you mean they're going to the mikveh, he says? You're going to give up Nesiyas Kapayim because you have a frumkai, the chumrah, going to the... Don't go to the mikveh and do Nesiyas Kapayim. Who asked you to go to the mikveh? You want to be machmer? Fine. But to say, because I want to go to the mikveh, therefore I'm not going to duchen at all. There's no halacha you have to go to the mikveh, he says. So because you added a chumrah and a hidr to go to the mikveh, that's why... You, you, I mean, that, 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 this is a pretty extreme case of letting the perfect be the enemy of the good. Because you made up a chumrah to go to the mikveh, therefore if you can't go to the mikveh, you're just not going to duchen, he says. What kind of reason is that? 
He says, uh, even though it's true, you're not over. It's the, the basic point that if, if they don't call Kohanim, if the minig is going to be that we're not going to call the Kohanim up, they're not going to be over the mitzvah, he says. But wouldn't you rather get three mitzvahs assays than to say, well, I can't go to the mikvah, so I'm not going to do it at all? He says, he doesn't really understand this. He says, the Yasher Kocham Shal Eretz Yisrael. I, I heartily endorse the custom of Jews in Eretz Yisrael, he says, and the Chol Malchus Mitzrayim throughout the kingdom of Egypt. They do Nesias Kapayim daily. The Einam told them, they don't, they don't go to the mikvah. They, they, at least they do the Dukhaning. Now, Beis Ephraim is going to point out, Beis Yosef didn't say that they're absolutely wrong in Ashkenaz. He just says he doesn't understand it, and he prefers the Minnig of Eretz Yisrael. But uh, he, it's, it's very hard, to, once again, it's very hard to understand what kind of justification this is. And he, therefore, as well, he, he much prefers the minig of what we call the minig of the Shvardim, the minig of Eretz Yisrael, even today, which is that you do Nesias Kapayim daily. You don't go to the mikvah, so you don't go to the mikvah. But, the, but I'll call upon him, it's better. At least, at least they do Nesias Kapayim. The Dark Emosha, the Ramah, who, of course, is the, the primary codifier of minig Ashkenaz, the Ramah writes, no, the Beis Yosef rejected these, all the other reasons, but there's actually a very good reason, the, the Meryl's other reason, Bitl Malacha. Takes away from work. We have to go to work, he says. He says, in, in these areas, in Germany, in Europe, the Kohanim and the people as well are busy. They're busy with their Parnassa in Gullus. They, uh, Parnassa is very hard. They, they're, barely, they're barely eking out a living through their hard work, he says. They, they, live, you know, they live hand to mouth, day to day. They're so busy with their Parnassa and they don't have Simcha. So the, the Ramak kind of mixes both these reasons together. First of all, they can't afford to miss the work. And he says they don't have simcha. And therefore, they don't, they don't do Nesias Kapayim on any day where it would involve Bittal Malacha, which is a weekday. What about Shabbos? So the Dark Moshe says it's Shabbos as well. They don't do Nesias Kapayim, even though there's no Bittal Malacha. They're not going to work on Shabbos. But also, he says, they're busy thinking about, uh, thinking about work and thinking about how am I going to make ends meet and put bread on the table. And they're thinking about uh, what happened last week in work and, uh, see, and what's going to happen next week at work. A little hard to understand. You're really not supposed to do that. It says that even, it says that, um, you're not allowed to talk about weekday things on Shabbos. You're not allowed to discuss business on Shabbos. People say, but that, that's a perversion. I mean, you're not allowed to talk about business on Shabbos. There is a halacha, however, you're not allowed to talk about business which is relevant, which is still, in the, which is, which is still something where, where, where you're still involved in and you're going to make decisions about. You are allowed to talk about historical business. You're allowed to tell a story that happened last week. If it's done and it's finished, you're not worried about it anymore. You're allowed to just say, oh, I, had a, I, had, I made a great, great deal last week, or oh, I had a terrible misfortune. I lost a lot of money last week. You are allowed to say that. If it isn't relevant to practical discussions, you are allowed, and, and also you're allowed to think about business. It says Hirhur Basakov is Mutra, we say in the Zmiras, um Vigam Lachashov Keshbarnos, you're not allowed to engage in your Khafetim and your worldly affairs. You're not allowed to make Keshbarnos, you're not allowed to make accounting. Hirhurim Mutarim, you are allowed to think about your think about business. However, the post can say it's really better not to, and at least at least some of the posts can explain, that it's not to because exactly this reason, because it disturbs you and worries you and detracts from your Simcha Shabbos. I think some posts can say, if you're thinking about something which is cheerful, you just uh, paid off your mortgage and, uh, and burned the and burned the note. I, that, 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 that's just pure Simcha. There's no downside to that. So, uh, I mean, the downside is if you had a good rate, and now the rates are higher. And, and, but, okay, but in, but in general, that, you know, something that was good, that was, that was unalloyed good, maybe you would be allowed to, but to, to say that they're worried on Shabbos about their Parnassia, they really shouldn't be, but I guess, you know, shouldn't be is one thing. In practice, they're, they're, it's easy for us to say we're comfortable and, and, uh, and well-off in the United States, I guess. Back then, you were, you, you, things were desperate. The person couldn't stop thinking about his business, how, how dire his straits were even on Shabbos. So we don't do it, we don't do Nesias Kapayim during the week because of Bithel Malacha. We also don't have Simcha. We're so busy worried about Parnassah and the desperate straits we find ourselves in. Even on Shabbos we're worried about these things. That's why this is what the Ramak calls a, a, a good reason why we don't do Nesias Kapayim. And the Ramak continues, he says, that even on Shabbos we don't for that reason. However, he says, uh, on Shabbos we don't have so much Simcha, he says, but on, on Yom Tov, on Yom Tov we do, on Yom Tov we have more Simcha, we do. And in the Ramah, this is what he writes in Dark Emotion. In the Ramah, he adds, he, he goes with this reason. He says, that's our minog. B'chol medinos elu, we, we, we don't do Nesias Kapayim only on Yom Tov, because we have Simchas Yom Tov and Tov Lev Hu Yivarech. We have Simcha and Tov Lev. He says, and he adds, 
even on Yom Tov, we only we only do Nesiyas Pem Musaf. Not only don't we do, do not only do we do it only in Yom Tov, we don't do it for Shachris either. Except in some places on some Torah, but but uh, we, we we normally don't do it on Shavuos. We we didn't do it for Shachris. Why? Sardim, you know, the, the, the Iker Adin should be you do it both, both Shachris and Musaf. Why don't we do it for uh, for Shachris? So the Ramah says something very funny. He says. We only do it for Musaf because that's when you're getting out of shul and you feel simcha because you're about to because you're going to be engaged in simchas yamtiv. Davening is great and a person is close to Hashem, but the true simchas yamtiv, the, the ultimate simchas yamtiv, is when davening is almost over and you're going to go home and enjoy your yamtiv meal with your family. That's the real simcha. That's the pinnacle of your simcha. That's when you can do nesias kapayim, not during chakras. Yes, you were saying. Yeah, but both of them involve not inconveniencing the tibur. I think terchad tibur would just mean. I, I think focuses more on just the annoyance or the or the the sense of uh, the sense of schlepping or wasting time. Right. I, I tried. Uh, 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 right. The time you could have used for something else, I guess. Right, I guess is uh, I guess right. I guess ultimately they, they it's, it's, they're, they're similar arguments. And one of them refers to the not not my subjective feeling of uh, unpleasantness, but it refers to a, a loss of uh, a loss of uh, of work time. The other one refers, I think, more to a subjective feeling of this is uh, this is just tedious and unpleasant. But yeah, but but I guess I guess I guess, I guess there are there, there are somewhat similar similar points. Okay, thank you. So the Rama says that the. That's our minag, only Yom Tov, not Shabbos, like the Kolbos said Shabbos, we don't do it Shabbos either. When it's not Yom Tov, only on Yom Tov, only on Musaf. And he says, Yom Kippurim, we do, even though you, we don't think of Yom Kippurim quite the same, there is, a whole, there is an interesting discussion in the postkin whether on Shani Yom Kippur there's a formal mitzvah of Simcha. According to those, he's supposed to eat Basar on Yom Tov. Does the mitzvah of Basar apply to Rosh Hashanah? Not Yom Kippur, obviously. There's a discussion about an Avil. Can an Avil daven for the Amud on Roshani Yom Kippur? An Avil doesn't daven on, on Yom Tov. Can an Avil daven on... It's a discussion that goes back, I think, to the Bahag, maybe, or the Sheltus. Can an Avil daven for the Amud on, uh, on Yom Kippur? On Yom Naraim, is, is it a time of Simcha or not? Uh, fam- famous discussion. The Yeshivas, they talk about it a lot. Is there a mitzvah of Simcha? We, we, we pass in the Riz. We pass in, to some extent, we pass in the Riz. You know, a lot of fast in Rosh Hashanah. It was Machlokis, an ancient Machlokis. They go and some of them said, at least some said, you do fast. We don't fast. We say that we have Chedvas Hashem Himoizchem, as it says in Ezra. We say that we have Bitachon that Hashem will, will grant us Slichon Kapara. That's what Post can say here as well, that, that, that Yom Kippur is considered a, uh, that Yom Kippur is considered a, a, a time of Simcha because of the Mishbura brings this. Yom Kippur, we do in the CS Kampayim, even though we just said you need Simcha because you're not going to eat, you're not going to go home and have the Sudas Yom Tov, but we have the, the Simchat Mechilo Slicha. I heard people told me uh, that, in, that in the name of Rav Salvechik, maybe my father mentioned this, other people mentioned this to me, that he, his joy reached the, the highest point at the end of, the end of Neila. He would go hours into the night, he'd still be singing the Neila songs, he wanted a favor from him, that was the best time to approach him. He just had so much joy about the, the Kapara and the wiping the slate clean and coming close to Hashem of Yom Kippur, we said, Yisrael, the two greatest days, the two most joyous days on the Jewish calendar were Yom Kippur and Tubav. So there is such a thing that Yom Kippur, it's a little paradoxical, but there is, there is an aspect of great Simcha on Yom Kippur. And so Tubav, yeah, so that's how he wants to know. The question is, by, by my argument, if, if we just look at what, what Chazal said about Simcha on these days, Tubav was the other great day of Simcha, why don't we dochen on Tubav according to this minute? Yeah, an interesting point. I would assume that whatever the Mishnah means, in practice we recognize that it's simply not there. We, we do celebrate Yom Tov with great joy. The Minog is not really on Tubav as much. Maybe it fell by the wayside somehow. Interesting question, yeah. But uh, okay, I'll call upon him. So this is the, this is the reason that Dr. Moshe prefers, that a combination of Bittl Malacha plus the reason of Simcha and even again, even though there's no real Makar for it, the Dr. Moshe thinks that it's, uh, that's the Ikka reason because of Bittl Malacha and Simcha. That's why we don't do Nesiyas Kapayim. The Shulchan Aruch brings the other issue as well, that, uh, that uh, uh, first he says a single Kohen should, should do Nesiyas Kapayim. Yesh Amrim, that there's no Simcha, so you don't. But he says, uh, the minute is that you do, but if someone doesn't want to, ain't Mochen Biyadr, the Shulchan Aruch says, you should go out of the Shul, good. All right. Ramanach Mazaria, the Ramah Mifano. 
one of the early, early one of the Mukubalim of the early Achronim, also a great posik of his time, Italian posik. He says, most of the Olam, he says, by his time, in his understanding, it was most of the world that Kohanim did not do in the Sias Kabbalah. We already mentioned, the Beis said, Ashkenaz not, Eretz Yisrael and Mitzrayim, yes. Today we think of it as Ashkenazim versus Ardim plus Eretz Yisrael. In his time, he said, most of the world, Kohanim do not do in the Sias Kabbalah daily. Minhag Garuahu, he says. It's a, it's, it's a bad Minhag. The reason is because of Bittl Malachi, he says. But... Uh, but it's a bad minute. At the end of the day, it's, it's, it's not, it doesn't justify it, he says. He brings another rationale, he says. Some people came up with a clever but ultimately uh, faulty drusha. They said, He did a, then he went down from the Mizbah from performing the Chattas. They made some kind of heckish that you only do Nesiyas Kapayim when there is Chattas. You only bring a Chattas on Yom Tovim and Musaf. When there's a chatas, you only do nesiyas kapayim and musaf. He says that's not, you know, that, that that's not that, that's not a real drasha. That, that that's not correct. He says, and at the end of the day, we can rely. You want to be samech on the, can be samech on the fact that if they don't call kohanim, he's not over that say. But that, but that's that's the best we can do. He says, at the end of the day, it is minhag garua. It is an inferior minhag. It is a problematic minhag. Magen Avram, Magen Avram brings this from Rami Fano minhag garua. Who he says. He says, there's another strange minute, he says, in some places, we mentioned that in, in the Kolbo's version, they did it on Shabbos or Yom Tov. In some places, our minute today is we do it on Yom Tov, whether it is or is not Shabbos, but not Shabbos, but not Shabbos when it's not Yom Tov. The, the Magen Avram brings a third variation, that they did it on, on a regular Yom Tov, but not on Yom Tov that fell out on Shabbos. What we do today is, <laughs> we do it on, on Yom Tov, whether it's Shabbos or weekday, but we don't sing the, the we don't sing the and say the Rebbeinu Shlalom on Shabbos. That minute he brings as well. He discusses the idea that we don't uh, we don't say the Rebbeinu. He calls it. He says that he says that the he says that the he brings all discussion whether you fast Tanis Chalom. <coughs> fast Tanis Chalom. They used to fast. The Gemara says they used to fast when they had a bad dream. We, we don't generally do that, but he says maybe it depends on that. Which is maybe not. Maybe fasting is more important. So fasting you could do on, on Shabbos, but the rebound you shouldn't say. He goes back and forth about the rebound, he says. But, uh, but, but, he, but he says, but the idea of not duchening, that, that sounds a little strange. Then he brings the Svar of the Maril that, uh, because of the tefillah. And then he says there actually was a minog that Kohanim wouldn't engage in marital relations on Yom Tov because they wanted to avoid having to go to the mikvah, and, and, and according to this idea of the maril. Okay. Um, he says, he says, the, so, so they, they, they would avoid marital relations, and uh, even though they can go to the mikvah, but then there'll be a tfilyom, they'll still have a certain amount of tumah before nightfall. He goes back and forth on that. He says, he says that, uh, he says, if it's Leil Tvila, you should. I'll call upon him. He brings these various, these, he brings these various arguments, but he also notes the Ramami Fano that it's a Minna Garua, that it's not a, uh, that it's not a great Minna. Now the Mishnabura, the Mishnabura as, uh, again, as symbolic of our Minna, Minna Ashkenaz, the Mishnabura has a lot of sympathy for the Minna Tadduch and Daily. The Mishnabura writes, he brings the Beis Yosef, that in Eretz Yisrael, and throughout Malchus Mitzrayim, language of the Beis Yosef, the Minna is Tadduch and Daily. Vaposkim kilsulam and Hagambazah. Mishabura kind of wistfully says, Poskim, Poskim uh, applauded this minhag. Not our minhag, he says, but uh, he's kind of jealous. Poskim said that was a good minhag. Unfortunately, it's not our minhag, he says, but the Poskim, Poskim endorsed the minhag of, of Duchening Daily. Now, what's quite interesting, both the Vilna Gon and the Shulchan Aruch Arab, about 200 years ago, 200, 220 years ago, both the Shulchan Aruch Arab and the Gon and the Vilna Gon were strongly in favor, at least in theory, of duchening daily. My father used to point out, I think Rabbi Lamb, Rabbi Norman Lamb used to point, used to point pointed this out, that the, the Vilna Gaon and the Shulchan Aruch Harav, the Alter Rebbe, were great ideological opponents. The Shulchan Aruch Harav was the great defender of Hasidim, and the Vilna Gaon was the epic misnagate. But in many areas, both Halacha and Hashkafa, they actually uh, were quite close. In many areas of halacha as well, they, uh, we mentioned re- recently Yashan, they, they, they were both strongly in favor of keeping Yashan, not even Chadash. Here as well, both the Gon and the, and the Shulchan Aruch Harav were very much in favor, at least in theory, of Duchening. And about both of them, they tell stories, 
there are, there are stories, not entirely clear if they're true, but there are stories that they actually tried to reinstate the Minog of Duchening, although they did not succeed. About the Gon, we have Rabbi Yisrael Mishklov, one of the great Talmudim of the Gra, who emigrated to Eretz Yisrael. So he wrote that he, his Sefer, Pasa Shulchan, is about Minhagi Eretz Yisrael, Minhagim that, 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 that he, and, he and his colleagues uh, uh, followed, Minhagim of Eretz Yisrael. He writes, Minog Yafe, it is a beautiful Minog in Chol Eretz Yisrael, that the Gohanim do Nesiyas Kapayim throughout the week, as well as An Yom Tov, and Shachris, and Musuf, and Yom Kippur, and Shachris, and Musuf, and Elah, and that's the custom throughout Svart. So it's a Minog Yafe, and he encourages it. He writes, that's what most posts can say, even though there are some who justify Minog Ashkenaz, but, uh, like, the, the, they have justifications, the dark emotion, others, but Rami Fano says, it's Minog these are justifications for it, he says. Rami also is, is an Ashkenazi, he brings us, it's Minog but these are just rationalizations, ex post facto for the Minog. Eretz Yisrael, he says, where all the kilos of the Sephardim used to follow the Rambam, and it's the Asra de Maran, like the Shulchan Aruch, and it's a Minog Tov, and it's really the right thing to do anyway, and it's a Minog of the Kadmonim, and Al-Pisod is uh, good, Al-Pikabali, he explains it, there are three mitzvahs of says in the Torah. And B'kololeinu, he says, in his group of the Talmidei Hagra, who emigrated to Eretz Yisrael, he says, made Aliyah, from when we were able to establish our settlement in Yerushalayim and in Eretz Yisrael, we do things properly, we, we went back to the old Minog. So again, apparently the, the Gon did not change the Minog back in Chutzlarts, back in Vilna, back in Europe. But the Talmud Hagra, who came to Eretz Yisrael, were Adrabba there. The existing Minog was, and they did used to do Nesiyas Kapayim daily. So then, it's, it's the right thing to do anyway. As we saw, the Meshavur says, Kol Suach Ronim, the, the Svarjim are really right about this. The Mela, they, they also went, and they started Duchening daily, and that's why, that's part, at least partially why, in Eretz Yisrael today, it's not universal, but it's near universal, except I think there are some Hasidic communities that don't, maybe some Chabad that don't, but in general, it's uh, the mainstream Israeli minog, even among the yeshivas and the, the Lithuanians, the Ashkenazim, the mainstream minog Eretz Yisrael is that they do do Nesiyas Kippayim daily, and that's based on the Talmud Hagra. The Svartim certainly do it, and the Talmud Hagra, who established minog Ashkenaz in Eretz Yisrael, that they felt it was the right thing to do, because in Chutzlar, it's bound to the minog, but in Eretz Yisrael, it's a clean slate, and more than a clean slate, the Svartim did it anyway. There are, there's some testimony that even Ashkenazim in Eretz Yisrael in earlier generations, the time of the Shlah, also didn't see Eskifayim daily, perhaps, but certainly by the time the Grah came around, Tamidah Grah came around, the Minuk, they, they followed the Minuk to do it, and that's the Minuk today. There's also a story, as I, as I mentioned earlier, I alluded earlier, that the Gon himself tried to change the Minuk in, 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 uh, in Chutzlarts, but failed and apparently interpreted events as a, as a sign from heaven that he shouldn't do it. The Nitziv, the Nativ tells the story that his father-in-law, Rav, uh, Rav Yitzchak of Elazhin, Rav of Elazhin, told him, he, he said he, he heard a story, he thinks it may have been from his father-in-law, he's not sure apparently, that once the Grud decided that he would start Duchening again, B'chal Yom, in his base Medrash, in Vilna, that they would start doing daily in the Kabayim. The Ikvu Minashamayim. Minashamayim, they stopped him, and he was seized and thrown in prison. It was a terrible machlokas, a political machlokas about uh, the rabbinate, the machlokas on the rabbi Vilna, that he, uh, and, and that it didn't work out because he was thrown in jail. He says, subsequently, Choshni Zikni Hagon, Rav Chaim Velazhin, his grandfather-in-law, Rav Itzla Velazhin, was the son of Rav Chaim Velazhin. He married Rav Itzla Velazhin's daughter, so Rav Chaim Velazhin, the great Talmud of the Grove, his grandfather-in-law, also tried one day, I guess he didn't. He didn't. Uh, he, he wasn't convinced by the story about the Gra. He also decided that one that the next day he said he would instruct the Kohanim to do Nesias Kapayim. That night there was a terrible fire and half the city burned down, and the shuls in the city, and they rove his bonenu. They interpreted this as a divine sign that there must be some sod besisrei ashbas abracha hayer b'chutzlarts. We don't understand these things. Any They took this as a sign from heaven. It's a provocative story. We don't usually establish halacha based on signs and, uh, and omens, importance. Uh, if he really thought this was the right thing to do, it's, uh, it's a chiddush that he would have interpreted these, uh, these events in the world as a simon min not to do it. All right, that's how the story goes. And Tziv doesn't swear these stories are true, but he, but he says that these, are, that these are the stories he heard and apparently finds at least somewhat credible. He reports them in his uh, Meshav Davers. He must have taken these stories somewhat seriously. That's a story he tells. Ramosha Sternbach says that he heard a similar story about the Pasa Shulchan, the Israel of Shklov, 
that, that he tells the story that he heard many times in Piagra, that the Gra would have, uh, was willing to make great efforts to reestablish Nesias Kapayim, and then he brings the B'Shem of Chaim Belajan, that the Gra really wanted to do Nesias Kapayim, but he couldn't bring himself to, to fly out the Minag, and once when he actually decided to, he, that's when he was thrown in jail for the libels and so on, and even though he got out of jail, but he, he gave up his project, much to his chagrin apparently, and decided not to reinstate Duchen. Shulchan Aruch Harav, also there apparently are stories told, very similar, similar stories told about him. In his Sefer, in the Balatanya, in, in, his, in his Sefer, the Shulchan Aruch Harav, he writes, uh, similar to what the Meshavur and all the Akronim say, the Magan Avram, or Rami Fano, all these reasons are to miyashiv the Menach, he says. You can't, it's difficult for these reasons to be mevatel and a mitzvah daraisi, he says. However, if we don't call Kohanim, he says, uh, they're not over anything, but still, he says, Yasher Kocham of Bnei Yisrael, he says, maybe you can say we're technically not over the Isser, but uh, he strongly endorses the Minigav Eretz Yisrael and the surrounding areas, the, the Neri, the Sephardic countries, that they do not see the Kohanim Kol Yom, like the Chacham said, they get three mitzvahs every day, and they're not worried about tefillah. So the Shulchan Archarav, again, he, he, he doesn't say that he actually is recommending changing the practice, but like many of Ashkenazic poskim, he's wistful, he's kind of regretful that we don't do it, he feels bound by tradition, but he thinks that the, clearly Al Pialacha, the custom of the Svardim, is preferable. It's both a mitzvah and it's a bracha. Like, why don't we do it? He says. So he says, okay, the, 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 we have rationalizations, but at the end of the day, the Svardik the custom is preferable. The Lubavitcher Rebbe says that the, he was opposed, I think, to reinstating Duchening. Possibly some Chabad even there to Israel, I'm not sure, but doesn't Duchen. But he says that, on the one hand, the Shulchan Aruch Harav said that the that he did say that he wanted to reinstate Duchening, but Lamaisi didn't do it. He said he thought it was good, he, he was, he was some very sympathetic to the idea of Nesias Kavam daily, he didn't actually do it. And therefore he says, you know, uh, we're just going to leave the minute the way it is, Hanach Lehem Yisrael, if they're not Nevi'im, they're B'nai Nevi'im, and so despite all the arguments, he says that uh, we're not going to re- reinstate Duchening. The Aruch HaShulchan, Aruch HaShulchan also, like the Mishnah like all these other great Ashkenazi Akronim, he says... There is no good reason for our minog, he says, not to do Nesias Kapayim daily. He says, and the post said, Minog Garua, Rami Fano, it's, it's an inferior minog, he says. Manasa, what can we do? It's as if there's a, the, the, it became so heavily entrenched, he says, it's as if a divine voice came out and said that we can't do him. What are you going to do, he says, it's the same attitude of many other Akronim that Logically, it makes sense to see us compayim, but our hands are tied. It's, it was decided for us that we can't do it. And then he writes, he brings the stories about the, he, he, he's a little cagey about the details, but he says, Mekublani, I have a tradition, he says, There were two gedole hadar, he says, of previous generations. Both these great gedolim wanted to reinstate daily Nesias Kapayim. When the day arrived, this Balbal Ha'inyan of Lo'alolahem, it didn't work out. Uh, something got uh, disrupted and it didn't happen, he says. And they saw that they said that they saw Menashemayim that they aren't supposed to do Nasiyas Kapayim daily. He doesn't say which two Gedolim he means, but it's suspected, it seems, that he meant the, the Vilnagon, about who other people tell the story, and the Shulchan Archarav, who apparently there's a similar story told that he also wanted to do Nasiyas Kapayim and he didn't. All right. He says, what's the reason, I'll be nigla, why don't we do it, he says. So he brings, again, that, that idea of Simcha, he says that uh, at the time of Aaron's and Siyas Kapayim, uh, he, he, that he blessed the people, there was a great Simcha of the Miluim, Kosivar, who blessed them like this, when, there, when there's a regnant atmosphere of Simcha. Eretz Yisrael, he says, Mitzrayim, and throughout Asia, he says, they do Nesiyas Kapayim daily, and that's, again, Pashtas, he says, you should, but what are we going to do with uh, the, 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 the Minagnatu is so deeply entrenched. One last tshuva I want to discuss briefly, and that is a, a very interesting tshuva of Rabbi Ephraim Zalman Margolius, also around the time of the Vilna Gon, a little bit later, I think, the Vilna Gon, the Shulchan Aruch Harav. He, he wrote a tshuva to someone who, a certain, a certain Talmud Chacham who wanted to reinstate Duchening, like the Gon, like the Balatani. I don't think a letter was to any, either of them, but to, but to someone who, I think, I think we do know who it was to, um, Eliezer Brutt, I think, has, has, has written papers, I think, the, clarifying more of this episode, who the person was, who this person was who wanted to reinstate Duchening. He, he managed to uncover a little more of the story. There was a certain Talmud Chacham who wanted, like the Gon, like the, like the better known examples of the, of the Vilna Gon and the Shulchan Aruch Harav, 
to reinstate duchening, because again, as all Nachronim say, there is no really good reason for not duchening daily. We have all these other kind of less than compelling ex post facto rationalizations, but there is no really good reason that anyone, that most posts have been able to come up with, that we don't do duchening. He says, the mitzvah same Torah. So what's the basis for this minhag? Should we, oh, should we overturn this minhag? The Shulchan Aruch HaRav begins by, by, a, uh, by a fierce defense of the minhag. He says, basically, who do you think you are, that after hundreds and hundreds of years of Gedolei Ashkenaz, this is not something that happens once in a while and may have happened without rabbinic supervision. Every shul, where all the Gedolim davened, every, every, every tefillah in Ashkenaz, this has been going on for 600 years. And by, by his time, actually, it was more like three or four, maybe 400 years, 500 years, but it was going on for hundreds of years, he says, do you really, do you really think that, that, that you're smarter than all of them, that, that, you, that, that none of them realized the arguments you're making? He brings all the sources we had, the Tashbats Katan, B'Shem, Rami Rattenberg, the Kalbo, the, the, the Maril, and so on, the Augur, Dark Emosha, Taz, Magen Avram, the good, the, and, so, and so on and so forth. He says, do you really think that, that you know more than everyone else? He says, and Maril, Rabam shall call Gedolim Medina's Ashkenaz, and so on. And they all imply, despite the fact that they all concede that there isn't a wholly compelling reason, they all say that's the Minog, and we, and we shouldn't uh, deviate from the Minog. Even the Beis Yosef we mentioned earlier didn't say that you should invite to the Minog, he just says that he likes the Minog of Eretz Yisrael and Mitzrayim better. He says, he says, uh, he says, Yerev Avata Huvigididi, my friend, he says, Yerev Yishpot Be'ein Sichlo. He says, let's, let, let's judge this fairly. Let's judge this objectively. That the Giborim, Anshe Hashem, all these great Gedolim who are far greater than their, their Talmidim, their Talmidim, Talmidim are far greater than us, he says. You're, you're going to go out, be Yod Rama, and say that you know better, and you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna refute everything they did, he says, in such a long time. Even if we don't know the reason, he says, you couldn't do that. And here I do know the reason, he says. The, the Beis Ephraim came up with a very interesting reason which he admits none of the Gedolim for 500 years said his reason. Nevertheless, he says, Hashem, let me have my chalik in Torah. And here's the reason I think is a very good reason, a very, a very persuasive reason why we don't do Nesir's Kepayim B'smanazah. And the, the idea he invokes is actually a, uh, a very important halachic idea, which has ramifications in numerous other areas of halacha. And it's a separate topic in its own right. But he says that there's a great debate been going on for centuries, going back to the Gemara, how reliable are our traditions of Kahuna? Are we really convinced that our Kohanim are really Kohanim or not? The Gemara talks about certain Kohanim had reliable testimony, they had Ksav Yichus, they had reliable documentation, reliable testimony. Our Kohanim typically do not have what Halacha would consider reliable evidence, reliable documentation, reliable testimony. Some, some Kohanim, some families claim they have uh, family trees, but Halacha generally doesn't consider that to be uh, fully reliable evidence. It hasn't been properly uh, verified and authenticated. So our Kohanim are what we call Kohane Chazaka. They're presumptive Kohanim. They have not been established to be 100% uh, reliably Kohanim. Now the question is, this is a great question that goes back hundreds of years to the time of the Marashtam, 500 years ago. There's a great question. Do, what is the halachic status of such Kohanim? Do we, halacha very often accepts less than airtight evidence, halacha accepts all kinds of chazakos and so on. The question is, what is the status of a Kohen who is presumptively a Kohen by the traditions and standards that we use, but who doesn't have fully reliable evidence certifying his kahuna? This was a major, major machlokas. The Marashdam and Samachronim said, sometimes lakula, sometimes lachalapachas lachumra, that we are not absolutely convinced that our Kohanim are Kohanim. The Rashdam even allowed Kohanim to marry women, not an actual divorcee, but certain cases of Isra Drabanan with Sveikas. The Samachronim, beginning with the Rashdam, actually were lenient even and allowed Kohanim to, to, to violate, in certain cases, Isuri Kahuna, in part because we're not really 100% convinced they're really Kohanim. Samachronim said, L'chumra, you have to treat him as a Kohen, but but Lakula, you shouldn't treat him as a Kohen. So, for example, Rik Veger, when he was discussing whether Kohanim could do the Avoda today, whether we, his, his, his Talmud, or Tzvi Hirsch suggestion that we can bring Karbanas with Manazep, Rik Veger felt very strongly that we cannot. And one of his main arguments was that, who said we have Kohanim? We think we have Kohanim. Lachumra, they shouldn't marry a, a woman they can't marry, but Lakula, to allow them to do the Avoda, as Bazara Karev Yumas, that we're not going to allow. Some Akronim said no. Some Akronim said, Bain Lakula, Bain Lachumra. 
Glana Chazaka, the Chazaka in many areas of Halacha is like a Vadag, it's like we're certain. We are allowed to rely on the, on the Chazaka to treat our Kohanim as bona fide Kohanim. This was a, this was a major machlokas for many centuries. Says the Beis Ephraim, our Kohane Chazaka are not 100% Kohanim. We are not actually sure they're Kohanim. If someone is not a Kohen, not only does he not have a mitzvah to Duchen, it's actually an Averifim to Duchen. If, if someone who's not a Kohen is, is Duchen, he's over an Avera. Maybe Daraisa, maybe Drabanan, but it's actually an Avera. Moreover, it's Brachlavatala. Even if the Duchening itself is not problematic, there's a Brachlavatala issue involved. Says the Beis Ephraim, really a Kohen today should not Duchen, because we're not convinced he's a Kohen. Adarabba, the Minigarit Israel needs a Hezbo. He says, how can we allow them to Duchen? The truth is, we ourselves need a Hezbo, because we left them Duchen on Yom Tov. So make up your mind. If you don't think he's a Kohen, then why is he Duchen at all? <coughs> so here's where the base of Ryan's uh, idea gets a little trickier. He brings a doctrine going back to the, going back to the time of the Gemara already, that the way these Chazakas work, the way our presumptions of Kahuna work, we don't have to be entirely consistent. There's such a thing as whatever they had a chazaka for, whatever they were knowing to do, they retain the chazaka, we follow it. But to extend it to anything further that they didn't do, something new, that we don't do. So the Kohanim ate Truma and Chutzlar. When they came back to Eretz Yisrael in the time of Ezra, they couldn't eat Kachim, according to one opinion of the Gemara. Or even if they ate Truma Drabanan, they couldn't eat Truma Daraisa. Whatever they did, things on that level, that that they did, they had a chazaka for, we allow them to keep following the chazaka. But for, for new things, for things that they weren't doing, that we say... That we say that the that we say that they should not do. So therefore, the base of Ryan says the Kohanim today who are not duchening, so the Chazaka isn't, isn't being used for that. So they they certainly shouldn't start duchening. The, the, the Chazaka is that they did use to do in C.S. Kapayim on Yom Tov, so we let them keep their Chazaka. Why was that the minog? Why did they develop that minog? He says because we, we don't want them to totally forget their status as Kohanim. We want them to. We want them to uh, remember their Kohanim because if they forgot they were Kohanim, they might stop being lenient and marry women they shouldn't marry and be making and the other Yisurim of Kahuna, Tuma maybe, in order to make sure that they, that they remember their Kohanim and act accordingly, we, we let them in once in a while. So we don't have a fully logical split between Yom Tov and, and the rest of the year. That's the weakness of his Pshat. But basically he says, the reason we don't Duchen is because we're only Kohanim Chazaka and it's not that reliable. He says, Lamaisa, we let them Duchen on, we let them Duchen on Yom Tov because we wanted them to not, to not forget that they are Kohanim. But besides that, the Beis Ephraim's first point is, even if we wouldn't have a good reason, the Minig is so powerful, or Hashulchan's language, that we have to follow the Minig. The Beis Ephraim, though, is, is relatively um, comfortable with the Minig. He feels he has a very good explanation for the Minig, contrary to many other Ashkenazic Akronim who have said, it's, it's, it's Minig Garua, it's, uh, they looked wistfully to the Sfardim and Eretz Yisrael, they acknowledged that they even tried to change it, uh, although they didn't succeed. And when they had the chance, when they went to Eretz Yisrael, even uh, the, the, they took advantage of the fact that the, the, there was no longer a minig on the ground, not to, a, a fact on the ground, a minig established minig, not to duchen, and they began duchening as the Sfardim have always done. And indeed, that's the minig today in Eretz Yisrael, even though again in Chutzlart, the ultimately the, the status quo prevails, and the Siyas Kapayim is not done, is not done during the. During the year, except for on an ordinary day, except for uh, except for Yom Tov. 